2: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: Yeah, man. I'm telling you. Especially when one of us is out, the pace of this thing is just crazy, this radio show. It's just a run, 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 run. I'm not complaining. It's not like I'm a trauma nurse or something like that. I mean, it's just uh, its crazy, craziness. So uh, Jack is back from his surgery and, uh, and recovering. Um, he is, uh, as you might expect, after having an organ removed, he has energy. Then he has no energy. So he's going to be uh, visiting. Uh, fairly regularly during the show today. Uh, also, uh, later this hour, I'm really looking forward to this. We've held back for now, but we'll no longer uh, at the bottom of the hour, as we say in the business, uh, some excerpts of an hour-long podcast I did yesterday afternoon with Sam Quinones, a uh, journalist and author. He's got a new book out. He's the guy who we quoted at length. An excerpt from his book was in The Atlantic about the, quote-unquote, new meth and this guy is as knowledgeable as anybody we have ever talked to, ever read, ever heard from about meth, what's going on in our streets, how those so-called homeless tent camps are meth camps. They are junky camps. Yes, there are non-meth head hopeless tweakers who are homeless. Of course there are. But there need to be very different policies. To deal with them and to deal with the pu- the tweakers. So, anyway, we'll talk, uh, we'll, we'll play you some of that uh, extra large podcast uh, this hour with Sam Kenyonas. If you have to tune out or you just want to listen to the podcast in its entirety, you can grab it, subscribe to the Armstrong and Getty podcasts, or just go to Armstrongandgetty.com. This is an odd thing. Um, I, 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 is this set up at all, the Hillary speech? She did a master class, whatever that means, uh, part of the master class educational series. Oh, I read about this the other day, the idea behind this. it's kind of interesting. It's, it's one of your online university type things. They hope to get subscribers and you can learn things and listen to people and whatever. But she did a, a so called master class of speaking or politics or something in which she read her acceptance speech for when she won in 2016 Uh, except she didn't she got beat by the guy from the apprentice anyway let's uh let's play you a couple of chunks of this and then we will uh, comment go ahead with 22 michael my
4: fellow americans today you sent a message to the whole world our values endure our democracy stands strong And our motto remains, E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one.
3: All right, so far so good, a little obvious, but uh, go on, Hillary.
4: I've met little boys and girls who didn't understand why a woman has never been president before. Now they know, and the world knows, that in America, every boy and every girl can grow up to be whatever they dream, even president of the United States.
3: Or the least appealing presidential candidate in the history of the United States who lost to the guy from The Apprentice. Go ahead, Michael, next
4: clip. If I could go back in time and tell anyone in history about this milestone, who would it be? My mother, Dorothy. And as hard as it might be to imagine... Your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. I am as sure of this as anything I have ever known. Together, we will make America even greater than it has ever been.
0: That was quite something.
3: Wow, that was a little uncomfortable there. Assuring her late mother that the, uh, I think she's passed, hasn't she? If not, Mrs. Rodham, I apologize for killing you off. Um, that's something tearing up as she says to her mother, it's going to be okay, mom. Your daughter grew up to be president of the United... we lost to the guy who was on The Apprentice. Wow. Wow. That's... Uh, well, uh, Miranda Devine, who writes for the New York Post, called it a master class in self-pity and delusion. Uh, said she's exhibiting narcissistic personality disorder. Um, that's, that's just odd. Um, I guess it was Sean Hannity said, um, oh no, I'm sorry. It was somebody on Twitter said her next masterclass will involve instruction on how to wipe an email server with a cloth or on avoiding Wisconsin and paying Russia to meddle in our elections. Oh, that's right. It was the Hillary campaign that paid. Old uh, Steele there to compile the dossier from a bunch of Russian agents. That was some good Russian meddling. Eh, we're not too worried about that, though, are we, so much? Boy, that's something else. I, you know, I, I find myself, I wonder if I could do a master class. I'm not, you know, Hillary famous, but reasonably well-known co-host of the armstrong and getty show maybe i could uh, do a master class on my uh, i was i was uh, an avid baseball player as a kid thought i was going to play in college the pros it's uh, well not the pros i mean nobody ever knows that but you know i, I was really really into baseball i thought i was actually going to be a baseball player but i kept getting hurt and it just wasn't meant to be but <clears throat> in the spirit of hillary clinton i now present do we have any sort of uh theme music michael or, or it's like uh uh, uh I don't know, something hail to the chief-ish, something uh, grand. Uh, how about the, uh do we have the, uh, uh what do you call it, the trumpets blowing the, uh what do you call it, when the trumpets blow the something or other? I sound like Joe Biden all of a sudden.
4: <laughs> how about hail to the
3: chief? I have it right here. How about a kafkar? Uh Yeah, the uh, the fanfare. That's what I'm looking at, fair fanfare. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest inductee into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. What happened to the, uh, the what do you call it? There's nothing going right today. Son of a... There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest inductee into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, Joe Getty. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I really I want to thank my parents, my dad who threw me batting practice and let me pitch to him, but my mom, who was always supportive, came to all my games, and all my teammates through the years, my coaches, I... I can't believe, looking back, that I won World Series with the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Angels, and the A's twice. Highlight of my career had to be when I threw a no-hitter, and in the celebration, my teammate accidentally broke my wrist, and so I had to pitch left-handed the rest of the season, throw three more left-handed no-hitters, all while hitting four oh two. But I've really embraced my post-career life as well. Coaching youngsters across the globe as part of Joe Getty's Baseball Academies, JoeGettyBaseballAcademy.com dot com, JoeGettyBaseballAcademy dot com to enroll. It's ten thousand dollars a month. But thank you very much. Thank you very much. This is the proudest day of my life. This is the United States <laughs> of America, for God's sake. Yeah, United States of America. Um. Yeah. I mean, good golly. Uh, I mean, John Kerry's got to deliver his victory speech, too, whatever that was going to be. And and, and just, uh, you know, every, every losing candidate. Why not? Because they'd all sound the same, and there's no point in it. That's why not. Boy, that's an odd thing to do. She loves the spotlight. She cannot give it up. Uh, total change of topic here. This is crazy. I first read about this... Um, It was Portland or Seattle schools. I can't remember. It was one of your rainy, wackadoodle, northwest progressive cities. The teachers said, hey, we want Fridays off. We want Fridays to be remote learning um, because some of the kids are so far behind. We need one-on-one time with them, the rest of it. And the rest of the little kids can either get on the cameras or just study at home or whatever. And the school board, I'm pretty sure it was Seattle, said, no, 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 we're not doing that. Now, I do have some sympathy if we're talking, uh, you know, sincere, caring teachers who see that some of the kids have been so tragically abused by the policies shutting down schools during the covid hysteria um, that they really want to bring those kids up to speed. And I salute them for that. But. The school board said, no, 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 we're not doing that. And I thought, okay, why? That's crazy. I don't even think we got to the story. But uh, New York Times headline today, schools are closing classrooms on Fridays, and parents are furious. And they talk about how um, this, this mom was so happy, her fourth grader was finally back in school because the remote learning thing had gone terribly for the lad, like so many boys and girls. Then on Wednesday... November the 17th, an announcement. Detroit public schools would close their classrooms every Friday in December. Virtual school only. And then on Friday, a follow-up announcement. Oh, schools also canceled starting that Monday for the entire Thanksgiving week. No online options. And the moms and dads all over, like, what? Wait, what are you talking about? I'm working. I got a what? What? And the moms and dads are outraged, as, as you might guess. But So some public schools, a significant number, are going remote or class, canceling classes entirely for a day A week or even a couple of weeks because of teacher burnout and staff shortages. They mentioned six other school districts in Michigan that have extended the Thanksgiving break. Three districts in Washington state, including Seattle public schools, unexpectedly closed on the fourth. I'm sorry, on the 12th of November. Brevard public schools in Florida used all their leftover hurricane days to close schools for the entire week of Thanksgiving. In Utah, I mean, my gosh, we're going from the bluest of blue states to the reddest reds here, and I think it's worth noting. The Canyon School District announced that all of its schools would go remote one Friday a month from November till March, equivalent to more than a week of school. And and it's been practically no notice um, in in some of these cases. And obviously, beyond the logistics of the thing, childcare, care, etc., the parents are really worried that the additional lost days of in-person schooling, their kids are going to fall even further behind. And, oh, man, I have some studies and statistics on that. That's just, oh, it's heartbreaking. Anyway, school districts were not consistent in the reasons for these temporary closing closings. Some cited a rise in COVID-19 cases, which is stupid. They want to thoroughly sanitize their classrooms, even though you're not going to get it from a surface. But for many schools, the remote learning days are a last-ditch effort to keep teachers from resigning. They are burned out say the teachers, after a year trying to help the students through learning loss and working overtime to make up for the labor shortages. Our schools are, are like our ports. They're, they're, they're scarred and battered by the COVID experience. Everybody who didn't quit is now overworked and, and stressed out. The poor kids are desperate for help, and, and teachers are quitting in droves. Absolutely crazy. This is happening to uh, your school district. What have you heard? What's happening? Uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at com. Speaking Coming, of teachers, oh, ladies USA, today, is back.
5: Go ahead. USA Today cover story today, is math racist? We should uh, dig into that a little bit. That's a good one. No. There
3: you go. Finished it.
5: Covered it. Well, it's a very no long time. article. They seem to see more nuance than you do. Uh, yeah, but it's not, you see. The population of the world is going to decline, they think, for the first time
3: ever in the history of mankind in the world. And excerpts from a fascinating conversation with Sam Quinones, wrote the new book about meth and and fentanyl and, and drugs and junkie camps and the rest of it. All of that to come. Don't go away.
4: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: Today, Pfizer announced that three doses of its vaccine effectively fights the Omicron variant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody who panicked last week was like, honey, where's the receipt for those 2,000 rolls of toilet paper? (laughs) Meanwhile, everyone who just got their third dose of Moderna is like, um, anything you want to tell us? Uh, we'll wait. We'll wait. We're good.
3: I think it's probably significant that there's that much lighthearted joking about the, uh, Absolutely. the vid. Absolutely. I don't know.
5: Politicians and uh, and uh, media people talk about panic.
3: I don't see any of that in the real world. Like None. Mm. No, although, you know, in your area, which is very blue, your county, um, yeah, they're
5: still wearing there's masks, caution but they
3: to the point of uh, the extreme caution. I wouldn't call it
5: panic, I, was, I guess. I was listening to a podcast yesterday of a guy who just moved from New York to Austin, Texas, as so many people have done from California or New York or whatever. Anyway, he was talking about how in New York, the, 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 the pandemic is so visually there all the time. You're wearing a mask. Everybody you run into is wearing a mask. The restaurant situation, how many people can come in? Are you sitting outside? And he said he got to Austin, Texas, and it was like it was 2019 before the pandemic. He said, you just don't, it just is not a thing. It's just not a thing.
3: Yeah. And that's well, why it that's is in a lot in of Blue country. Austin. That's probably the most uh, pandemic-y part of Texas. He said, if
5: you see a mask, occasionally you'll see a mask. You think they've either got like a compromise thing or they're a nut job. Mm-hmm. As opposed to New York where everybody's still masked up and de Blasio announced he's going to make it mandatory for everybody to get the vaccine. That's one of his parting shots uh, before he goes out of the door. That has been met with nearly universal derision. Yeah. So uh just came across this story. The world population is going to go down, they think, for the first time ever. There's obviously no way to actually know that. Um, it's the first time it's gone down in many, 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 many centuries. Moving um, down. But they don't, you know, have any way to know if Neanderthals and Homo sapiens went backwards
3: 25,000 years ago. If it's the last 30 centuries, I'm comfortable with saying ever.
5: Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's kind of interesting. China, by the end of this century, the year 2100, they expect to be around 700 billion people. That's half their current population. Their population is going to be cut in half. Now, it still would be twice our current population. That's a very big country. But Mm -hmm. wow, that's amazing.
3: Sure it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm cautious about any uh, estimate that goes that far out into the future. I mean, the the number of things that could happen between now and then are uh, uncountable.
5: I'm not sure that's uh, correct. Um, Demographics tend to be baked into a cake, and then, like you know all the all the baking it in has already happened, and it's really really hard to change Mm -hmm. it. It's not so much a prediction of like things happening. It's just that's that's what we've sown. That's what the world has sown. That's what China has sown. So I don't
3: know. Well, I'm talking Um, about the war, disease, and immigration to cite some obvious examples. I mean, the population of the U.S. would be declining uh, fairly significantly right now, except that we have huge numbers of immigrants, and China might do that someday. So then will it be the same China it is now, working as hard as it can be to be one ethnicity? Probably not. Um,
5: USA Today, big cover story that I read and tried to make any sense of and couldn't, so I gave up on is math racist, and they make a bunch of vague statements about it being racist, but nope, didn't see any concrete evidence of it being so.
3: Well, if there's a disparity in test results, that proves it's
5: racist. I really hate that I missed out on your conversation yesterday with the guy who's the expert on the new
3: math. Uh, go ahead and, and listen uh, at your rest as we're going to play some excerpts for, from my conversation with Sam Kenyonis Uh, Coming up next, really, really interesting stuff. Don't miss it.
1: Armstrong and Getty. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a and b with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia
4: movement that inspires call 800-334 q for details always drive safely sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only quantities are limited must take delivery by
0: 7824 if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever
3: You can't deal with a problem until you understand what the problem is. The tent cities in so many American cities and towns are not homeless camps. They are junkie camps. They're tweaker camps, primarily. uh, uh, Meth addicts. That was one of the topics of conversation with Sam Quinones. uh, Recorded a long Armstrong and Getty Extra Large podcast uh, yesterday, which you can get at armstrongandgetty.com or wherever you like to get podcasts. We subscribe. Suggest you subscribe. Uh, Sam's the author of a new book called The Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. He is the author of the uh, extended excerpt that was in The Atlantic that we talked about at length a few weeks ago. Uh, Interesting uh, note before we dive into one of the excerpts, and that's uh, toward the end of the interview. I asked him about the, the subtitle, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. And, uh, and he said, and this is a hell of a twist, he said, you know, the drug stuff is only half the book, um, and we can have an entire another long conversation about the other part of the book, which is about community, the loss of community in America, and how some people in some places are trying to restore it. And we did talk about that a little bit toward the end of the podcast. Definitely worth listening to the whole thing. Uh, but we're going to have him back for an extended conversation about that topic of the book. So having said that, let's go ahead and deal with the drug stuff. He has some amazing stuff on fentanyl, information on the story behind fentanyl, why it is what it is, why it's killing so many people. And we will get to that in a little bit, maybe next hour. Uh, but this hour, let's go ahead and deal with the the tweaker epidemic on the streets. Uh, this is Sam Quinones, Uh clip number 96, Michael. Let's turn to... Uh, the P two P meth that was the main topic of the excerpt from your book that was in the Atlantic that Jack and I talked about a great deal. We, uh, for what it's worth, you know, we we definitely swing conservative politically uh, speaking on most things. I, I hate labels. Labels are for soup cans, but um, it's also true that we don't hate anybody. We're not. We try not to be condescending unless it's intentional for the purposes of humor. And we have quite a number of listeners who are either uh, a former drug. A, drug addicts, recovering drug addicts, former homeless people, tweakers, uh people with all sorts of sins right. and all, because they know we're not preaching at them. We understand people make choices. Sometimes they make bad choices, and sometimes life goes sideways. It happens. It can happen to anybody. Uh, you just have to take responsibility for you know the way you live your life is our point of view. So we've talked to a hell of a lot of people who have been on the streets or are currently on the streets, who say everybody's a tweaker out here. Everybody in the tent camps is doing meth, and they don't mean literally every single human being. But uh, there was a report out of Portland. They had a couple of guys who are now turning their lives around working for the city. It's actually a really nice story. But they are saying, oh, my God, these so-called homeless camps are meth. uh, The the homeless camps, rather, are meth camps. Uh, How did we get to this point, and what effect is this new meth, which is actually kind of the old meth, this P2P meth? What effect is it having?
7: Right. Well, this the, the the roots of all this are the are in the fact that the the Mexican trafficking world, uh, a, a few folks who are in particular who were instrumental in all this I talk about in the book, um, uh, begins to uh, understand learn how to make methamphetamine in the late eighties, mostly in the San Diego-Tijuana area. Um, uh, and, and um, they make it, it, they were able to learn because it's a very simple process then. It uses a chemical called ephedrine, so decongestant. It's found in Sudafed pills and all that's why. That's why you can't buy those things very easily. You have to sign, and there's a behind lock and key and all that. Ephedrine is a, is a very easy chemical. It's very effective and good, decongestant, but a couple of chemical tweaks, and it becomes methamphetamine. It's not really hard to do. Um, so any, almost anybody can make it, and that, it really democratizes how, how, uh, uh, meth can be made. But the folks who really take greatest advantage of it are Mexican traffickers increasingly in, into the, into the 1990s. The labs, they called them then super labs. That that's kind of, sounds like a bizarre term now, given those quantities coming out of Mexico today. But super lab would be 50 to 100 pounds every time you cook, that kind of thing. And, and you began to see this stuff in, in the Central Valley of California, San Diego, Temecula, up into Bakersfield, Fresno, and so on, and then also down into, into Mexico. And they really uh, uh, specialize and in, they industrialize this. So they're able to produce then, very large quantities of stuff. Of this stuff, But it's always limited by the amount of ephedrine they can get. Now, for a long time, it was legal. Uh, you could get hundreds of tons imported, uh, hundreds of tons would be imported in Mexico. And a significant part of that was went to make methamphetamine. But there was never enough to really cover the entire United States. Increasingly, really, it was just a lot of the western United States. Uh, it never went east of the Mississippi River. Um, ephedrine meth was a very euphoric Drug, You would stay up for several days. You wanted to be around people, gabbing away, you know. Um, the, your withdrawals from it would be you basically slept solid for two days, you know, and just were out. And then you were coherent. You, were, you kind of returned more or less to your same mental state that you were uh, before that, although over time clearly it degraded your body and your mind. It took several years to do this. But in so to, to be in a state
3: where you really weren't yeah. functional, you would have to abuse it for years.
7: If for, for a long time and stay up for many days. Once you stayed right. up for many days, you began to see these what they call shadow people frequently. You know, like there's somebody over there and you look and actually there's nobody. But, you know, yeah. it's that kind of your mind playing tricks on you, so to speak. In 2008, all that changes. Uh, Mexico in 2008... Uh, prompted by a number of, of th- political reasons that I go, go into in the book why they did this, but they make ephedrine uh, illegal except for a few pharmaceutical companies to possess and use in their processes. And, and with that, the Mexican trafficking world has to figure out how to make ephedrine, I mean, I'm methamphetamine, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, another another way they've actually been seeing this writing on the wall for a couple of years by then 2006 is when they first begin to start experimenting with this by 2008 the whole the wall shunt slammed shut and they now have to figure out a new so there is another way of making methamphetamine. It's, it's it's really not very easy it's smelly it's messy a lot of different chemicals uh, it's not it's anything you'd want to use except for if you can't get ephedrine and so and, and this chem, uh, 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 method uses a, a precursor known as P2P, phenyl-2-propanone, very commonly uh, known in the meth-making uh, uh, world. Uh, this method has one benefit to traffickers over the federal, and that is that you can make P2P easily and with many different kind of chemical recipes or chemical hacks using chemicals that are widely available in industry. They're all industrial. They're all legal, easily available in world, world markets, all, most of them very highly, highly toxic. But you can, if, so if the government cracks down on this recipe of making P2P, you can come back with this other one and this one. And there's, there's apparently dozens. In fact, I think they never stop inventing new ways of making P, P2P. What this means is if you have access to, chem, to, to chemicals, which the Mexican trafficking world does, as I said, through these two ports on the Pacific coast of Mexico, you can begin to make this stuff all year round. And in quantities that dwarf anything you were capable of making with a federal. And that's what begins to happen. It, it not right off the bat. It takes a couple of years, takes a few years for people to get used to this new reality, but certainly by 2012, 13, 14, you begin to see quantities, just staggering quantities coming through and marching across the country. So in LA, Portland, West Coast, basically 2013, 14. You see on this stuff, it, it hits the Midwest, crosses the Mississippi River for the first time, hits the Midwest by 2017, and then hits the the, the East Coast and up into New England, which never had any meth in 2019, roughly in 1819. Uh, and so at the same time, as I said, it's producing such quantities that the price drops too. Not only they cover the the country, the price drops, but this this methamphetamine has been shown to be accompanied, and I use these words carefully and I'll explain why in a l- little bit, is accompanied every place along the way, according to my reporting, talking to people in all these different areas, by not just, uh, not just the staying up long, a, a, a lot of days, uh, it's no longer a euphoric drug, it's a very sinister drug, it turns you inward, it's accompanied by um, uh, symptoms of schizophrenia. So you see people extraordinarily paranoid very intense paranoia like everyone's out to get you no one can be trusted and you're running because somebody you think you can, uh, somebody looks at you strange you know and at the same time very very florid intense uh, hallucinations
3: now, we'll get back to our conversation with Sam Quinones in a minute about how that is uh, showing itself on the streets, the tent cities, etc. After a quick word from our friends at CarShield, America's number one auto protection company, helping over one million drivers. Instead of you dealing with the expense and the paperwork of a crazy out-of-nowhere repair, CarShield's administrators is making a snap. They handle the paperwork expensive payments so you don't have to. CarShield could save you thousands thanks to your protection plan. You won't have to worry about those costly repairs. You get to choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield gets the rest taken care of. It's like having your own personal team of auto repair problem solvers and plans through CarShield even provide coast to coast roadside assistance, rental coverage, and trip reimbursement, all at no additional charge. Whether your car has five thousand miles or car CarShield has monthly coverage options to fit your budget. That's right, no long contracts. So just go to CarShield.com slash Armstrong to save 10%. That's CarShield.com slash Armstrong. A deductible may apply. CarShield.com slash Armstrong. Uh, Michael, let's just go with uh, 97, uh, Sam Quinones. We've had some folks, whether in law enforcement or on the streets, say, well, listen, it's not as much about the chemical nature of it, but just it is so cheap and so powerful these days that it's overwhelming people's brains. So is it one or the other, or is it really both?
7: Well, here's the, th- here's the thing. Uh, the reason I said accompanied by and not cause, causes it is because there is no neuroscience on this. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands really what's at work, uh, uh, least of all me. Okay, I don't want to be putting myself out there. What I'm giving you is street reporting. Okay, I'm, going, I'm talking to people, you know, ER docs in these towns and drug counselors over here and recovering addicts over here. Um, no one has actually studied P2P mats the way it's made in Mexico right now. There's no rat studies, no mice studies, there's no journal reports. I'm simply telling you that this is the reporting I've done in these various areas and keep on doing, even though the book's published. Uh, But over and over and over, you just hear this all the same, the same stories. People go out of their minds, they're raving, they're incapable of living with anybody. So very quickly, they're homeless. And the place they least want to be is a homeless shelter, because in a homeless shelter, everybody seems to be a threat. You know, you're, you're surrounded by people who are who are almost like themselves a little bit out of their mind, and everyone's confined. And you got to obey rules, and there's all this stuff. That so, so uh, along with that comes this very severe, um, accompanied by all this methamphetamine, comes this very severe uh, mental illness, and then along with, uh, as well as um, a homelessness, and along with that, then comes the tent encampments. Tents become perfect lodging. If you are in a state of mind where you think the entire world is a threat, the last thing you want to do is be around other people. So a little, it's a little pod in which you can kind of exist with what is stuck in your brain and all the bizarre ideas that are coming through through through, through your brain. This is homelessness is a is a is a. Um, there are many kinds of homelessness. There are many reasons why people end up homeless. A lot of them, you know, sh- shredded safety net homeless. People who lose a job and have surgery, can't, find, can't afford a house and the surgery. That, that kind of story is also part of it. There's the sex registrant homeless who, uh, you know, a registered uh, sex offender, has only a few places in his, in, in his town or his county where he, can, where he can live, and frequently they end up homeless. You know, there's a lot of reasons. However, my reporting, I believe, has convinced me and shows that, that a major force behind those tent encampments it, and the homelessness and the delirium that people are often suffering from and all that is this methamphetamine that's come out of Mexico over the last, well, 8, 10, 11 years in, in many parts of the country, certainly nine, 8 or 9 years in, many, in, in almost all the country, um, that, that is made with this P2P. Why is it? What are the neuroscientific reasons for it? I don't know. It hasn't been studied in the least.
3: Such an interesting conversation, Armstrong and Getty Extra Large. Uh, we haven't even touched on the fentanyl stuff, which we will uh, play you some of next hour. Uh, that is uh, Sam Quinones' His book, Is the Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. Uh, much more to come. Uh, stay with us.
4: Armstrong and Getty.
1: It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a BnB and b with an ocean view.
4: The Armstrong and Getty
2: Show
5: I was listening to your interview with the dude that knows all about the new meth And uh, that's really interesting
3: stuff Sam Quinones, who wrote for the uh, LA Times for a decade Author, journalist. Did you get into? Uh, did you ever ask him
5: why do you think this is not getting more attention? Why, no. why is why why haven't I heard you interviewed
3: on nine different shows? No, so that's no, what I that, wonder. Yeah, I I think we know the answer yeah. to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I was trying to avoid getting overtly political with him. Uh, Because I think the answer to that is that that, uh, the activist community doesn't want to quote-unquote blame the victims, even though it is a huge meth problem, not a the rent-is-too-damn-high problem. And uh, the homeless industrial complex, there's astounding amounts of money washing around.
5: Lack of equity is the phrase
3: of the year, and uh, them being meth addicts doesn't fit in with that. Right, exactly. So it undermines various really powerful narratives that those who are sucking on the public teat uh, depend on. And his explanation of the way the new
5: meth pe- makes people feel <laughs> paranoid and scared and angry, as opposed to the <coughs> meth they were taking in the past that made them high and feel good. I'll bet that both the people that uh, confronted me and my family
3: were on oh, that. Yeah. Well, Because there was no right. reason
5: for them to be so belligerent, but
3: well, for reasons of business and personal uh, reasons, I've spent a, a significant amount of time in, uh, I'm going geographically, uh, Seattle and and Portland and uh, the San Francisco Bay Area and Sacramento and San Diego and L.A. Whoops, I went south and came back north again to L.A. Um, but anyway, the rash of crazy people yelling at fire hydrants or trees or at nothing has gone from... You'd never see it. What are you talking about? To it's virtually every time you go to downtown Portland, for instance. Yep, that is a tweaker. I'll see somebody like P
5: two P meth. I see somebody like that every time I go to the grocery store.
3: Yeah, yeah, and nobody wants to acknowledge it for political reasons. How sad is that? I mean, how sick is that? You have people, uh, you know, in the grips of this horrific. Uh, drug and and people who benefit from the cash the uh, tax dollars a flowing won't admit it or they're just so ideologically stuck in their ways they can't admit it.
5: Uh, L.A. Times out with an article today after smash and grab thefts across California is it time to reconsider Prop Forty Seven? Uh, you know whether it's bail all across the United States the abolition of bail and this prop and uh, you know what's a misdemeanor or not I feel like I feel like it's
3: starting to head in the right direction. Did you not hear Gavin Newsom on The Daily Show? He said there's more crime in Texas. Oh, he did? Yeah, is there? He said, well, there's more violent crime in Texas. In California, we're dealing with the, uh, the challenges that lie before us. All those cities that set records for homicides this year. Yeah, That's just astounding. After a
5: year in which homicides had jumped the most in the history of the country.
3: Right. They're right. beating that number. You have Lori Lightfoot in Chicago saying, I'm disappointed that the businesses haven't stepped up. Well, they've boarded up. And then Bill de Blasio saying, "Uh, New York is the safest of the big 20 cities. Yeah, they, they set a record for homicides in 2020, and they're more or less exactly at it for 2021. And, you know, it's like being the smartest horse. Turns out the other 20 cities in America are so murdery, New York ends up looking OK, even though it's it's seen its murder rate to jump by leaps and bounds in Olympic news, Canada and Speaking of the UK, of jumping in leaps and bounds. Yes, yeah, exactly. back to you. That was a good transition. That was, that was, really it was good. late too late, but sorry.
5: Canada and the UK have joined the United States and Australia in their diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics. We're extremely concerned by the repeated human rights violations by the Chinese government, said the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, I, uh, I like this. It seems to be growing. And I think all the good countries are probably going to uh, agree to
3: this. Will it make any difference? I don't know. There are a number of topics, including the, the smash and grab thing or the, the tweaker thing or, or, or China's horrors, that I feel like people are waking up to more and more. And that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, ripped from our personal experiences, sometimes when you recognize something is wrong, that's when it gets hairy. Yeah. Because to deal with the bully, you've got to punch him in the face. To deal with the bad gallbladder, you have to have it cut out of you. You know, to deal with the belligerent would-be superpower, you got to scrape. I hope not, but sometimes it happens. I'll bet NBC's recalibrating on a daily basis how they're
5: going to handle the coverage of these Olympics. Can't be easy. No, because they could come off as hecka
3: tone-deaf if they don't handle it right. Yeah, make sure none of their local stagehands are slaves. I'd start
0: there, huh?
4: Armstrong and Getty.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon.
2: Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.